Good morning. I'm Rosie. Uh, if you'd like to read along in a Bible, the cool thing is that we're reading Psalm 19. So flip to the middle, guaranteed you're in Psalms, flick right or left, depending where you landed. Uh, it'll also be on the screen and you can, if you would like, just sit back, listen and let the words flow around you. For the director of music, a Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of the God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth their speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, to the words, to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens. It makes its circuit to the other. And nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I'm on. Excellent. Hey. My name's Scott. Good to be with you this morning. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church, Paraka. Well done on making it out on what is a pretty hot Sunday. Um, Here's a question I'm going to start with. How do you make a Christian feel guilty? I've got it down to three simple steps. You ready for them? Number one, figure out what they think that they should be doing, but know that they aren't doing. Number two, tell them that they should be doing it more. Number three, just sit back and watch the guilt flow. Perhaps you've felt this, I don't really mean that, but it's kind of true, isn't it? And perhaps you've felt like this before, felt guilty about doing something or not doing something that you should be doing. And perhaps even you've wondered if you really are a Christian because of these guilty feelings that keep piling up. You might even be wondering... Is that what this series is all about doing, just inducing this guilt? See, we're doing a series at church. It's called Spiritual Habits for a New Year. 
I'm talking about four habits that, that, that are going to be good for our spiritual lives. And so really, is that all this series is doing? Just telling us these things that we all think we should be doing, and so we feel guilty in the end? Of course, if I did, that would be quite mean-spirited. And it would actually be anti the gospel, anti the Christian message. The gospel is all about how Christ comes to pay for our sin and shame, pay for our guilt and, and take that away from us. And I want you to know that's not my hope for this series at all. But here's why we're doing it. So we've just started a new year, right? And a new year, now's the time when people are building all sorts of new habits and making new plans for the year ahead. It's a chance to do new things like try out a new exercise routine or maybe go for some uh, new diet or hobby or, 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 or new way to save money. I want to put forward the case today for something else. Those habits might be good. You know, a diet's not a bad thing, but, but here's something even better. Spiritual habits that will be good for you in the here and now, but also beyond the here and now. They have eternal value. So last week we looked at prayer, talking to God. We're going to do godliness and evangelism in the, in the, in the next couple of weeks. But today we're going to dig into Bible reading. And here's all I'm going to do is say three things. Firstly, what is it? What is the Bible? Secondly, uh, why do it? Why bother reading the Bible? And thirdly, how do you build a habit around it? What are some practical things that you could do? Okay. So firstly then, what is the Bible? I've got a sentence for you. It's not my sentence. I just stole this from someone else. But I figure it's a pretty good sentence. I first heard this sentence in 2007. So that puts it maybe 15 years ago. That's quite a while. But it stuck with me because it's a, it's, it's a good sentence. Here it is. It's on the screen there. The Bible is God's Word written for His people, written by His Spirit about His Son. I just want to break that down bit by bit now. The Bible is God's Word. That is, when you open the Bible and you read it, you know, you're not hearing just another person speaking to you. This is not just someone's ideas about life or philosophy on the world, it is God. Your God, your maker and your creator, it's his voice that you're hearing. And so there's a whole bunch of implications that flow out of that, isn't it? You know, if the Bible is God's voice, if it's God's word to us, then it has authority over us because it's, it's, it's from God. And Well, he's the ultimate authority. If the Bible is God's word, it means that the Bible is good because God is good. It means that uh, the Bible is true because God cannot tell a lie. And so on and so on. The Bible is God's word. So friends, when you read it, expect to hear God's voice. The Bible is God's word written for his people. That is, what God wants you to know, it's there in the Bible. Yeah, you're going to need to do some work and understand things like, what's the context of what I'm reading here? Who is this book written to first? Uh, uh, what kind of book am I reading? Is it poetry? Is it history? Is it something else? But what God has put there in the Bible is his word for us. It's for his people. Which actually means then, it's really exciting, is you don't need anything after that. You don't need some kind of extra special revelation like a dream or a vision because God has given you what you need. It means that 
what you hear in the Bible is actually going to be relevant for you. Because God has written it there for you. He's kept it for you. The Bible is God's word written for his people. So, so when you read it, don't just expect to hear God's voice. Expect to hear God's voice talking to you. The Bible is God's word written for his people, written by his spirit. Uh, as you go through the books in the Bible, you'll find there's different human authors there. Uh, and you can tell that they have different personalities. When you're reading something written by Paul, he's a, a, a structured and logical kind of guy. Whereas John paints pictures and uses metaphors and David writes poems and songs. There's, they have, there, there are different human authors, but ultimately behind these human authors is the Holy Spirit. They, the humans, they write as they're carried along by the Spirit. He's the author behind it all. So this is what Peter says about it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. He says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture, and, and he, when he says prophecy, he's, he's talking about everything written in the Bible. That's the context here. So, uh, no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see what it's saying there, right? The Bible is written by the Spirit. He stands behind it all. So when you read the Bible, friends, expect it to hear spiritual truth. Right? The, the kind of things that... Without the Bible, we wouldn't come to know just by observation or looking around. The Bible is God's word, written for his people, written by his spirit, about his son. So the Bible is written for me, but it's not about me. It's relevant to me, but it's not about me. I'm not the center of the Bible. Jesus is. So much so that the Old Testament, right? This was the part of the Bible that was written before Jesus ever lived on earth. But even the Old Testament is about him. It's like a big neon sign pointing us towards Jesus, getting us ready for Jesus. And this was something, can I be honest with you, this is something I was really slow to pick up on. Um, uh, growing up in my family, Christianity wasn't a big part of our family, although we did go to church. Um, so I knew from Sunday school, knew lots of the Bible stories, like, you know, Jonah and the whale and Noah and the ark and David and Goliath. And, and I just thought for a long time that Jesus was just another one of these stories. It wasn't until a teenage, I was a teenager that I realized, actually, hang on. This actually is all about Jesus. He is the central person, the main person. The Bible is all about him. So look at what Jesus said to the Pharisees who lived at the same time as he did. I mean, the Pharisees, these are people who knew their Old Testament from cover to cover. Right? They were proficient in the Old Testament. But Jesus says, guys, you've missed the point. So this is from John chapter 5. He says to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Here they are reading the Old Testament, and it's all about Jesus, but they just haven't got it. And so they don't accept him. The Bible 
is about Jesus. So when we read it, expect to get to know Jesus. Yes, the Bible is relevant to you, but here's the main reason why it's relevant. Because Jesus is who, exactly who you need. It's about him. That's what you need. So there it is, the Bible, God's word, written for his people, written by his spirit about his son. So why bother reading it? Well, you probably caught on to some reasons why it might be good already. I want to go a little bit further and keep digging and building our convictions here, to keep taking them deeper. There's heaps to say, actually, on this point, but I want to suggest at least two more reasons. Firstly, read the Bible because it will equip you for every good work. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell you everything, right? Like if you're, if one of your New Year's resolutions this year is to start your own small business, you can't open the Bible and expect the Bible to give you the 10-step guide for what you need to do in the next 10 weeks. But look at what the Bible will do for you. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, All Scripture, so the entirety of the Bible, it's God breed, comes from God, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You catch what it's saying there, right? Like if you want to be someone who's who's ready to do good, to to serve God, to live your life for him, you know, you can't just Pick that up as you go along. It's not something that's going to come naturally to you. So to do that, you're going to need the Bible. It's, it's going to be there to teach you and rebuke you, to correct you and you train you so that, so that you're ready to do good for God, to live for him. So the Bible's not going to tell you how to start up your new business this year, but it will tell you how you go about doing that, how to honor God as you, as you do that. The question then before us is this. Um, do you want to know how to please God with your life? If the answer is yes, then you've got to go to the Bible. There is simply no other way of knowing. Here's the second reason why to read the Bible. It is just simply so... Good. I want to tell you about a time I was growing up. So I was um, seven or eight, I guess. My brother, a year younger than me. And, and we were staying with our uncle and aunt. They lived in a, um, on a farm in western New South Wales. So we were, we'd been out all morning doing a bunch of stuff outside and kind of getting all hot and sweaty. So we came inside at one point. This is kind of uh, towards the end of the morning. And we're all hot and sweaty. And Arnie Ann is there. And she says, boys you look like you need a milkshake. <laughs> and of course, every boy who's seven or eight says, yes, please, I want a milkshake. So Arnie actually makes us these milkshakes. And, and when I got mine, I basically just kind of held it and started pouring it down my throat. And it wasn't until about the third gulp down, I realized something was horribly wrong here. This was not a milkshake at all. It tasted horrible. I thought maybe she's trying to poison us here. And I was right. 
Not about the poisoning, mind you. Um, I was right because it wasn't really a milkshake. She did not use milk at all. Do you know what she used? So good. This soy-based milk-like product. And I've heard since then that So Good has gotten better in its taste. But back in, what would this be, the, the late 90s, to me it felt rotten. I've never forgotten. How can something that tastes so wrong be called So Good? Now, what's that got to do with the Bible? I just said we should be reading the Bible because it's so good. Um, but it's not like that pretend milk thing. It really is. And this is what we saw in Psalm 19 that Rosie read out for us just before. Um, particularly, I want to look at verses 7 to 9. Uh, in verse 7 to 9, this, Psalm 19, it talks about the Bible in different ways. It calls it the law of the Lord and his statutes, his commands, his decrees, all these different names for the Bible. But then look at how God's word is described. It's perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, firm. Just let those wash over you for a bit. How good is the Bible? But that's not it either. Psalm 19 says it also has an effect on us. When we're in the Bible, look again. It says that the Bible refreshes our soul. Who doesn't want that? It makes us wise, shows us how to live in in the world. Gives joy to our hearts. Gives gives light to our eyes. It endures. It's, It's righteous. Isn't this the kind of stuff you'd want for yourself in 2023? How good is the Bible? And it doesn't end there either. Next, next, next verse, verse 10, talks about God's word and says they're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey. Honey from the honeycomb. And the point is pretty clear, isn't it? See how good the Bible is for us. Let me ask us a question. Are you someone who's regularly reading the Bible? If not, maybe you want to give it a crack. Because if it really is this good, wouldn't that be good for your life this year? If you're someone who who does give the Bible a flick through, do you really believe this about the Bible, that it is sweeter than honey, more precious than gold, that it's radiant and pure, that it refreshes our soul and gives joy to our hearts? What would it mean for us? What would it mean for our lives if we, if we let this shape us, if we believe this to be true? And that's kind of where I want to go now. I want to talk about building habits of reading the Bible. This is not something that we want to kind of create rules and and hold everyone to making sure we all do the same thing all the time. But but if what we've heard about the Bible is true, then it's something that we want to habitually do. I'm going to give a bunch of ideas here. Some of them might work for you. Some of them might not. Do whatever works for you, though. Before I want to get into this, I want to say... uh, be ready to put in the hard yards. If this is something you want to do, be ready to put in the hard yards. Um, because it takes persistence to build habits 
and yet, unfortunately, they're very easy to break. So, um, roughly speaking, it takes about 30 days to build a habit, 30 days of doing the same thing over and over until it becomes just a normal thing for your life. But do you know how long it takes to break a habit? Roughly three days is generally the thought here. Um, that is, you stop doing something for three days and all the hard work of building up the habit is undone. So be ready to put in some hard yards if you want to build these habits. Okay, here's some food for thought. Firstly, um, set aside some time. Put it in your calendar, put a reminder on your phone. This is kind of what I said last week when we were talking about prayer, but whatever you need to do that's going to help you set up a habit, uh, do that. Set aside some time to do it. And, and sometimes I reckon to build a habit, it can help if, if we do this at the same time each day. I know that's not always possible, but, but it, it helps build that regularity. And I found it helpful in the past actually to attach Bible reading to something else that I already do. So uh, um, I used to always read the Bible and breakfast at the same time because you know, every day I always ate breakfast, so it was easy to read the Bible because I just... They became attached then. But, but now I've got younger kids and it's a little bit hard to read the Bible and have breakfast at the same time. It's a bit chaotic then, so I needed to change. And now it comes after I wake up and before I go for a jog in the morning. But whatever it is for you, you can, you can do it at a regular time and perhaps attach it to something can help you become regular. Here's the second idea. Um, have a plan. Don't, I mean, don't just set aside time to read the Bible and then you'll get there and think, well, what am I going to do now? But have a plan for what you're going to do. In which part of the Bible will you read? Uh, are you planning to read 10 verses, one chapter, five chapters? How will you make sure you reflect on, on it? And sometimes I like to write down a couple of reflections. Not that I ever go back and look at them again. It's just it helps it go in my head a bit better than... Sometimes I use this, this method, actually. This is called um, uh, reap, the REAP method. You have acronyms all the time. But this is a good one. Uh, it tells me what to do. If, uh, the, the R is for read, reread, so you get to know the, 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 the passage. E is for examine. You pull it apart. You want to understand what it's saying. A, uh, apply it. What does this mean for me? And then finally, P, pray about it. Um, this doing this I found helpful because it forces me not just to, to read but make sure I'm reflecting on what the passage is actually saying to me. Um, so have a plan for what you do. But also, um, as things go along, plan out what you're going to do next. Uh, this might not be you, but this, is, this was something for me. Sometimes I found myself in a really good Bible reading habit, but then it gets broken. And, and the reason is I'll, I'll finish what I'm doing, say I'm reading, say, the Romans, and I get to the end... Uh, but I haven't thought through what I'm going to do next. And so two or three days go by and suddenly I've just broken all the good habits that I've got. So it's helpful to plan what you're going to do next as well. And also, plan what you'll do when you don't want to do it. See, there'll come days when you don't feel like reading the Bible. And, and the question is, well, what do, you, what do you do then? Let me tell you about a study I've heard about. This was a study of people who, um, they were having an operation, I think like a knee replacement or something like that. Um, There's an operation that involved a lot of physio afterwards. Uh, they broke people up into three groups. The first group, they told them about all the recovery they'd have to do to get their knee working and all the physio that they'd have to do to make it work. In the second group, they told them the same thing, all the recovery they have to do, all the physio work, but they also told them the benefits of doing the physio work, how it was going to make their knee actually uh, uh, get, get better again. 
And there was a third group, and they told them the same things, all about the recovery, all the physio, all the benefits of doing the physio. But with this third group, they also got them to make a plan. They said the physio work is going to be hard, it's going to be painful, there's going to be days that come along and you just won't want to do it. So they had to make a plan for what they were going to do when they didn't want to do the physio, for how they'd keep going at it even when they didn't want to. Here's the results. In the first two groups, there's virtually no difference. Some of the people did the physio work and recovered well, but a lot struggled and didn't. But in the third group, this was the group where the people had made a plan, they did really well. Virtually everyone in there did the physio, they recovered and had a fully functioning knee. The difference? That third group made a plan. It helped them to keep going even when they didn't want to, even when it was painful. Friends, can I say, Bible reading is hard. It is a spiritual activity, and there are spiritual forces in the world that do not want you to read your Bible. And that might not always look like dark and scary things happening. It might just be as simple as the phone ringing all the time when you start reading. It might be as simple as constantly having this feeling like, oh, you've just got too much on, you're too tired, not today, I'll do it tomorrow. So make a plan for yourself. What will you do when that happens? How will you keep your habit rather than break it? And when things get hard, stick with your plan. Here's one final idea for building your Bible reading habit. Every so often, maybe it helps to change what you're doing. Again, this might not be for everyone, but I've really found for me, if I keep doing the same thing for a while, like if I'm reading three chapters a day, day after day after day, I end up actually just going through the motions and I take nothing in. This happened a few times before I realized, actually, nothing's wrong with me. I just needed to change things up a bit. So if I had, say, been trying to read through larger chunks of the Bible, it was great for helping me get a big picture, but maybe I needed to change and do just slow down, read less, 10 or 12 verses, and, and have deeper reflection on those verses. Or if I'd been reading a lot of, say, the New Testament letters, maybe I needed to change up what I was reading, and, and now I needed to do something like the Old Testament prophets or the Gospels or some of the poetry in the Bible. If I'd been doing reflection by using that um, reek app, the REAP acronym before, um, maybe I needed to reflect in a different way, like writing down some reflections or... or having a devotional sitting alongside me that I could read, changing it up because that helped make sure I was engaging constantly with the Word of God. And on that, actually, I just want to recommend a few good devotionals. Um, I'm going to recommend three. There's, there's more than that. But th- these three are, uh, uh, at least th- these three are good because one of the things they don't do is, is jump you around in the Bible from here, there, and everywhere. But they actually help you work through whole books from start to finish. Um, so here's one. Uh, this one's called For the Love of God. There's two volumes in that. Um, you can go through the... It'll take you through the whole Bible in either one year or two years. Um, it'll give you some passages to read and then a reflection on one of those passages. A second one, this is one I'm using at the moment. It's called In the Lord I Take Refuge. And it just goes through 150, all 150 of the Psalms. In the book, the Psalm is printed there for you. And then there's a, a, a reflection afterwards. But especially those reflections are written to show us how the psalm points us towards Jesus, which is excellent because remember, the Bible is about Jesus. Uh, 
the, the third one here, it's a series called Journey Through. You can buy copies of these or they're free on the internet. Um, the aim of this material, they, they want to cover the whole Bible. And they haven't got there yet, but there's a lot of the books are covered already. Um, each day there's just a, a shorter reading with a devotional and a couple of questions to help you reflect on what you've read. Look, there's a few recommendations. There's a few ideas. What is it going to be for you? How can you build Bible reading into a regular habit of your life? Let me end with this. This is Psalm 19.10 again, talking about God's words. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. How good is the Bible? What would 2023 look like for you if you were a regular Bible reader? Let me pray for us. Our great God and Father, we praise you that you've spoken, that you've spoken to us about your Son. And our prayer is that you would grow our convictions Help us to love you and hearing from you. We pray that we wouldn't just have a, a feeling inside of us, but also actions that we would show our love for you by listening to you. Father, in whatever we need to do to help us be regular Bible readers, please help us do that. We realize we, this, is a, this is a spiritual activity and we're not going to do it without your help, Father. So we're asking for your help now. In Jesus' name, amen.